Good morning, good afternoon, or hello, and welcome to part two of the Ithaca podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Choi, back at again with episode two of the Odyssey Project for my English class. I'm really excited to be back here at my home, obviously, due to obvious reasons. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest on this podcast. This is a limited series, a three-episode series of the Ithaca Podcast, and I'm really excited to start another podcast since I have another podcast called The Goodfellas Show. It's on anywhere on any podcast platform, including YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you listen to podcasts and you watch your videos, please make sure to subscribe, leave a like. If you're not a subscriber yet, please, again, subscribe. It would really, really mean a lot. And without further ado, let's get part two of the Ithaca podcast going. Thank you for joining us again. Again, welcome back to part two of the Ithaca podcast. I'm your host, Chami Choi. And today we do not have any guests today, unfortunately, because no one is a fan of the Odyssey. But I'm still here and I'm really excited to talk about the plot of this book. Um, I read this book when I was or during the summer, I guess, of 2020 before uh, before my freshman year started. I read it twice because it was so intriguing. It was so unique. The story kind of reminded me of the movie that I watched gladiator and as what ethan said on the last episode about you know a fallen hero who comes back and takes his right and takes his reign of being i guess true emperor and true ruler of his um nation and so therefore the odyssey is kind of is one of my favorite books um i did remember reading like part one of the original poem or i guess or the epic epic tale by homer uh, during my St. Ignatius shadow visit, and because like I guess my um, my ambassador, my student ambassador there, kind of like left me hanging in the library during lunch since he had a a project quotation um, to do, and I just read part one, and honestly, it was one of the most confusing, confusing tales, and I was like, oh boy, if we we're reading this in high school, which is likely, but probably in like three years when I'm a junior or sophomore, it'll be okay, but eventually. We were reading the Odyssey in freshman year. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be tough. English 1-2 is going to be a tough subject in the second semester. But then I realized it was a graphic novel version. I was like, hmm, don't get your ho- don't get your hopes up, obviously. There's going to be a lot of... Just gotta, if it's a graphic novel, obviously it's going to be much more understandable to, to know about this book. So I guess I kind of read it for the first time. And honestly, it was a... It's a much simple story than I ever imagined. I mean, I guess the, I guess people think it more complicated, um, and hardly on the, on the original poem. So therefore, I guess um, the graphic novel was much more easy or what much easier to understand. And I really enjoyed the book. I read it twice, as I said before. And today I'm here to uh, make a quick synopsis of this amazing, amazing graphic novel adapted by uh, Gareth Hines of the original epic poem by Homer. So, without further ado, let's get started. It begins, Ten years have passed since the fall of Troy, and the Greek hero Odysseus has not yet returned to his kingdom in Ithaca. A large and rowdy mob of suitors who overcame the palace of Odysseus and Telemachus there and his uh, mother Penelope and plundered his land continues to court his wife, 
Napoli, as I said. She remained loyal to Odysseus, obviously, but we'll get to Odysseus later. Prince Telemachus, the son of Odysseus, is desperate to drive them out, but has no faith or trust to cast them out or at least talk to them, because I guess he was kind of a nervous lad back then. However, one of the suitors prepares to kill one of the young prince, removing the only opposition to rule over Ithaca, or as in this case, Odysseus' home. Until And they, the reason why they want to kill uh, Telemachus is because Athena roused the boy's courage and... Like, and therefore, Telemachus is like, okay, I'm going to start my new journey, finding my father, finding the truth about my father, and bring justice to these evil suitors who will take my mom. And that's how the story begins. We move on to Odysseus. He is alive and well, unknown to the suitors, obviously. However, we see a beautiful and slight seductive goddess or like woman, Calypso, possessed of love for him, has imprisoned him on her land. Uh, called Ogigia. He longs to return to his wife and children, but he has no boat to create to help him escape. While the gods and goddesses of Mount Olympus are discussing the future of Odysseus, Athena, the greatest mentor and supporter of the of the Odyssey among the gods, is a determined, is so determined to help Telemachus, and disguised as a friend of the prince's grandfather, Laredus, she persuades the prince to call a meeting of the assembly to which he approaches the suitors. Athena also prepares him for a great journey to Pylos and Sparta, where kings Nestor and Menelaus, Odysseus' companions during the Battle of Troy, tell him that Odysseus is alive and trapped on the island of Calypso. Telemachus is trying to return home while back in Ithaca, and Antinous and the other suitors, Antinous is one of the suitors, uh, are preparing an ambush to kill him when he enters the harbor. Zeus sends Hermes to save Odysseus from Calypso on Mount Olympus. Hermes persuades Calypso to let Odysseus to build a boat and depart from the island. So as you can see, Odysseus did have an affair with Calypso, if you haven't read the graphic novel. Homesick hero sets out, but when Poseidon, the god of sea, sees him sailing home, he sends a storm to kill the ship of Odysseus, making his journey harder. And I guess one of the antagonists to prevent Odysseus to reach his goal, which is to come back to Ithaca, like Gladiator, like Maximus, which um, obviously the other gladiators prevented him from going. The other bad gladiators, obviously. Poseidon had a bitter grudge against Odysseus because the hero had blinded his son Cyclops earlier in his travels, and we'll mention that later. Then he inherited to rescue Odysseus from the wrath of Poseidon, and he beleaguered king's lands in Cyceria, the home of the Facilians, Nausicaa. The princess of Facilians shows him to the royal palace, and Odysseus receives a warm welcome from the king and queen with Exenia. Obviously, that was a huge role in the Odyssey. And when he introduces himself as Odysseus, his hosts, who learned of his exploits at Troy, they are incredibly shocked and stunned. Obviously, the king and queen offer him a safe passage to Odysseus. However, they beg to hear the story of Odysseus' adventures first. And that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the Odyssey because I love how these, you know, certain kingdoms, they're always strict of whoever, of like an outsider come enters their, enters their kingdom. And obviously they have to torture or like have to interrogate him harshly, approach him harshly. But for this scene, it kind of really related to me a lot because when I was at SHC shadowing, there were a lot of students, there were a lot of teachers who did recognize me and I really, really, I was so grateful to see, you know, some of the, some of my friends and new students that welcomed me to their class and clubs and all the counselors and the student ambassadors were so welcoming. So it kind of had a huge
connection and uh, experience of what Odysseus and I um, encountered. So obviously this was one of my favorite scenes while reading the Odyssey. Meanwhile, Odysseus spends the night outlining the incredible sequence of events leading up to his arrival on the island of Calypso. He recounts his trip to the land of the Lophus Eaters, his war with Polyphemus, the Cyclops, his love affair with the witch goddess Circus, his temptation of the deadly sirens, his journey to Hades to consult the prophet Tiserius, and his battle with the sea monster Scylla. When he finishes his story, the Facilians return Odysseus to Ithaca, where he seeks out the hut of his faithful swineherd Eumaeus, the ally, I guess. One of my favorite characters, and obviously Ethan relates to him, as we heard from episode 1. Though Athena has disguised Odysseus as a beggar, Eumaeus warmly receives and nourishes him in the hut. So this is, and this is another great scene, that there are still people having tremendous and a strong faith to Odysseus and I guess like friends back in the old days and or like the 15th century or 14th century they still know what true friendship is and they know what allies and comrades and acquaintances are and that's one of my favorite traits of Eumaeus by warmly receiving and nourishing him into his hut even not knowing that Odysseus was the beggar that Athena made him and obviously this is the plan of Odysseus revenge this is and also this story also kind of reminded me of the Revenant, um, directed by Alejandro Dijarano. I forgot his last name, and um, obviously the leading actor who won Best Oscar, Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, the Revenant, the Revenant means like someone who returns like a dead. So I guess it's like a fancy term of like zombie, but obviously still alive. And I guess like Odysseus never lost you know faith in returning his, to his home. Obviously praying and putting all his faith toward the gods for him to assist. And therefore that one of the god goddesses, Athena, um, assures that to assures to Zeus that they, that Odysseus deserves a second chance to return to his family, despite all the mistakes and sins that he has committed throughout his journey, like his affair and, and, you know, being disloyal to his wife and obviously his pride. Um, Anyways, when he finished the story, the Phaseans return Odysseus, Ithaca, where he seeks out of his hut swineherd Eumaeus, as I said. He soon encounters Telemachus, who has returned from Pylos and Sparta despite the suitor's ambush and reveals him his true identity. Now, this was my favorite second scene of the Odyssey, where the father reunites with his son. However, I do not have any connections with this, but there were obviously so many scenes that obviously were adapted and like what and like what mr F uh roberts said in our english class he said that the odyssey was a true inspiration from from cinema to other books and obviously i'm a big movie guy like obviously i'm, I'm not when i say i'm a fan of movies i think of like like cinematic oscar worthy movies like you know I, obviously like i said the revenant or like goodwill hunting saving private ryan um, Manchester by the Sea, whatever, like all those real, real movies. The Irishman by Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, um, Christopher Nolan, well, so so, I guess, and Peter Jackson, wh whatever, all those great directors, obviously, and you know, actors from Dana Day Lewis, Natalie Portman, um, Tom Hanks, uh, Hal Berry, etc. 
And so, and obviously Russell Crowe, who won for his role in The Gladiator by playing Maximus, a fallen hero returning to his home. And obviously, while in that journey, still putting his prayer and faith to the gods that, you know, that want to assist him. And I think that's a really big impact and a huge, like, inspiration from, like, other religions and the prophecies that they have read. So that, so that was a pretty interesting um, connection that I can um, say. But obviously for this father, father and son scene, we could always relate to anything about that. Obviously, you know, for military story, you know, for militaries, fathers always leave when, the, when their son or daughter is born. And, you know, years later, even like five years, they return home. And it's like one of the sweetest, um, most beautiful reactions. Um, each family um, a react to one another. So it's probably one of the be most beautiful scenes that the Odyssey has really created. And I want to put um, my my uh, love or my <laughs> sorry my, uh, my gratitude to Gareth Hins who made like incredible illustration about that scene. Really, really depicts how Odysseus and Telemachus um, um, how they saw each other after like over a decade. So that was a really cool scene. And Odysseus and Telemachus devise a plan to massacre the suitors and regain control of Ithaca. And I will soon get into how they did that. Obviously, the plan's not over. They reunited, but they didn't get rid of the suitors yet, did they? So the next day, as Odysseus arrives at the palace, still dressed as a beggar, he endures the harshment and insults of the suitors. But they, however, the only person who knows him in his old, so, no, his old self is his nurse, Ursilia. But he swears to her to not reveal his true identity to Penelope because it will be strange for the um, suitors... It'll be kind of like a weird timing, I should say. If Odysseus manages to reveal his identity once he arrives in Ithaca, he needs to find a way for the right timing and therefore um, to keep Penelope safe um, and his son safe because you never know what, you know what the suitors have to plan. What if, they threaten, what if they take her hostage? They know that Odysseus is home and therefore he leaves. Um, he's left with two choices. Um, you never... Um, it's... It's his final choice and it's his final conclusion of how he wants to live or die and how his story and legacy is told for future generations. As I was saying before, Penelope takes an interest in this strange beggar, obviously Odysseus, suspecting he may be her long-lost husband. As crafty as she was, Penelope arranged an archery contest the next day and vowed to marry any man who could strung Odysseus' great bow and shoot an arrow through a row of 12 axes, a feat that only Odysseus had never able, had never ever been to accomplish. At the match, each suitor attempts to tie a bow and fails, obviously. However, Odysseus steps up to the bow and, and like a bat, beep with little effort, burns an arrow through all 12 axes. He flips the bow on the suitors, and Odysseus and his son, side by side, along with other allied suitors, killed every last servant and traitors in Ithaca or in his palace, leaving two suitors behind because Telemachus laid their trust on those two, as I saw on, as I read from the graphic novel. Odysseus introduces himself to the entire palace, reuniting with his loving Penelope. He travels to the outskirts of Ithaca to see his elderly father, Laertes. But before I get into that, um, the way how Odysseus manages to gain Penelope's trust is um, the secret of the bed that they mentioned, that he built the bed and by himself, and there lies the secret where he made with Penelope the covenant that they made between them. And 
And that's another great scene where the husband and wife gets to reunite with um, their husband and wife, which is amazing, which is another beautiful moment of families reuniting. But however, the weird thing is that Odysseus never apologized of the sins that he has committed. And the biggest one is his affair with Penelope. And there lies a lot of, a lot of questions. Um, Penelope is not a hypocrite. Penelope laid, like, obviously there were thousands of men surrounding her before Odysseus arrived in Ithaca. But yet Penelope was like, no, I, I, I'm not interested. I'm married to one man and my love is only on to him. So it's, it's, so I really like the character Athena. She's smart. She's patient. She knows what she's doing. And she obviously has God's trust on being, um, an ally comrade for Indiondersi. And obviously, as I said before, when Odysseus reunites with his father, Laertes, they come under attack from the vengeful family members of the dead suitors. Laertes, reinvigorated by his son's return, successfully kills Antinous' father and puts an end to the attack by Athena, in which Zeus sent to restore harmony and peace. Because all the gods want, and, and we discussed this during class, the gods want peace. All they want is peace. And... Therefore, it becomes an inspiration to all, to all people, to all people who's reading the stories and to all people who's enduring a lot of violence, a lot of struggles with their family and friends. But this story is another way of saying, like, you got to work together. You got to stop being angry. You got to, you can't have too much pride. Therefore, you can't kill off. Like, my opinion, when Odysseus committed a bloodshed to every last suitor in Ithaca or in his palace. It was kind of, it didn't seem right when I first read the book. Cause I feel like he could have negotiated as a smart general would do. But I guess during that time, violence was a big part of a soldier's life, a general's life, a, a, a king's life. So, I mean, I guess he has his reasons, but as of right now, everything in life is a negotiation. So therefore I, I think, um, the gods have kind of inspired us in our society today that we come in agreement that in everything in our everyday life, we have to negotiate, we have to talk peacefully, we have to have a great dialogue. And obviously, despite what the country has gone through in 2020, worst year of our life, um, we did learn that from our uh, next leader, our 46th president, that, you know, he will restore the faith of our humanity. And I'm super, super excited and stoked that, you know, our country is, start to, is starting to normalize, you know. And yet, uh, despite, obviously, the pandemic, but <clears throat> socially, I think we're doing a much better job. As of, right, as of myself, back at school, I feel like I uh, connected and reconnected a lot of with old friends and classmates that I really, really wanted to interact with for a very long time. And this is just the beginning, and this is how every story begins and ends by peaceful, by pe by being peaceful, by being positive, by not letting your pride get in your way of fear, obviously. And with Odysseus' power, um, he secures and his family is reunited. The long ordeal of Odysseus comes to a final end, and just like that, and that's how the Odyssey ends. Um, I hope you guys are still with me because obviously it's just me who's speaking 
for this part two of the Ithaca podcast. I appreciate you if you're still here. It's been 18 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, obviously, I don't want to keep this long. I want to keep it under 25 minutes. And like I said before, this story reminded me a lot of the story Gladiator and the Revenant. As I said before, it talks about the courage and independence and during rough journeys the character knows better of himself that's what i noticed from the odyssey and the gladiator of maximus um forming together an alliance with his um with his other like you know peers and with odysseus obviously he still had some supporters and still um trusted allies back at ithaca including his own son and eumaeus therefore they created a a strong alliance that overthrew and they were outnumbered by the suitors and yet they still with the gods um obviously with the gods support and guidance they still had the capability to overcome the suitors and that's some and that was a really impressive scene from the odyssey of how like the gods turned towards those who put great exenia great faith toward them um this uh, and definitely i would obviously recommend this story for those who loves the hero's journey for this uh book my mom watched gladiator 10 times because the one thing because and here's a surprising thought about my mom because i thought she hated like those blood violent movies like the gladiator but she said that the story pay attention to each character on how they overcome their internal flaws obviously their antagonist is the king or like the or like you know other people who prevent them from accomplishing their goal um but look at the internal flaw and the internal conflict that the characters the main characters the heroes that they have to endure in each stage or in each scene and how they overcome it by themselves and with guidance to the people that they trust is how the story and how a hero's journey work they have sidekicks they have mentors and the Odyssey has really taught me of how these characters <clears throat> really, really go through all these um, internal stages of their journey, like the mistakes that they remember that brings them down, or their pride that brings um, that brings the best of them, and which leads to failure. And they have to learn from it. And by doing so, they have to have the correct leadership. And by inspiring those who struggle with their own internal flaws, it's kind of like a cycle, basically into a student to a mentor and then mentor to a legendary legacy and i guess the story and i do recommend it to anyone who's interested in hero's journey or like star wars or like um anything that has to do with hero's journey and that's all the time we have for the podcast thank you for joining me uh this is the first ever episode that i ever or like like any podcast episode that i did by myself alone with no guest no co-host um thank you for joining me for this limited series of three-part episode of the odyssey the thaka podcast please join me on the next episode which talks about themes and universal morals from the odyssey and how it connects to myself and the guest who loves greek mythology he's like he's totally obsessed with it and i think that'll be um the final kickoff for the thaka podcast so thank you mr roberts thank you to my classmates who um helped me for my project check-ins and we'll see you guys on the next episode. This has been the Ithaca podcast. Thank you for joining me again. Goodbye.